Hello and welcome to episode three of Establish the Collection. I'm Cody Main, joined as always by my co-host Gary Hartman. Gary, how's it going, buddy? Hey, Cody. It's good. Excited to talk some NFL today. Yeah, dude, we've got a loaded episode today. I'm going to talk all of the fallout from draft weekend, um, touch on some stuff that happened earlier in the offseason that may impact card prices as we head into uh, really into football season. Uh, Getting into the summer months, we're going to have training camp and all that stuff this year that we were robbed of last year. So hopefully some card movement, uh, some card price movement before the season actually kicks off. We'll see where that goes. Uh, but first, we're gonna we're gonna touch on some news and notes around the hobby. Um, as as we all know, a week in the industry can feel like months and years in some cases. So, just want to touch on some stuff that happened last week or or earlier this week. The biggest of which being uh, Top Shot's announcement of trade tickets. And as we discussed off air, it, it's something that they needed to do because they've got these. Series one moments that are unreleased that are sitting in the Top Shot account that they need to, uh, you know, get out into circulation, get out to the general public and give us a chance to purchase. But they they did some things with this this ticket announcement that were somewhat questionable. So if you haven't seen yet, there was a blog post that was announced. I think it was a couple of days ago now. Um, basically, what they're doing is you can turn in your moments, unwanted moments and receive trade tickets back in exchange. And then these trade tickets will be used for future pack drops. So at some point, there will be an announcement made of, of how many trade tickets you will need in order to uh, get into the queue for these pack drops or to qualify for the queue for these pack drops. The one snafu that I found with this, and, and maybe you can touch on it too, but the first thing that really jumped out to me was all of the moments that you can trade in to get trade tickets back are worth the same amount. So whether you trade in a Michael Carter Williams $5 series 2 35,000 circulating count, whether you trade in one of those moments or you trade in a, a series 1 LeBron, it's worth the same amount of trade tickets. So when when this was first announced, I was thinking, okay, the market's going to pump, right? All these $5 and $4 moments, they're going to be worth 10, 15, 20 because everyone's going to covet these trade tickets. Well, that hasn't exactly happened yet. The biggest reason for that is because this this process of releasing these some 10,000 series 1 reserve packs are it's going to take up to 18 months they've announced that they're planning on having complete distribution of these series 1 moments by the end of November 2022 so if you're if you're out buying Michael Carter Williams moments for the for the thought that you're going to trade them in you're going to be holding those things for a while so it's it's one of those things that if you're somebody who doesn't have the bankroll maybe or doesn't have the budget to purchase one of these LeBron Series 1 moments or one of these coveted low serial count uh, Series 1 moments, maybe you got in a little late, maybe you do pick up a few of these extra moments and hold on to them and then trade them in for tickets. But like I said, they haven't announced yet how many tickets will be required in order for you to get into the queue. So there's a lot up in the air right now. Uh, maybe more information will come out. But the, the fact that the process is spread out over 18 months, um, you know, the news that that this is the process that they're going through is, is big news. But there's not a whole lot to act on right now until we find out more about you know what's going to be required for us to get into some of these queues. I don't know if you had a different thought um, after seeing the announcement and hearing the news. I was someone who uh, got in around, well, like most of us did, got in around the time of the Bales tweet. So I have a few Series 1 moments that I'm, I'm holding on to. 
Um, I did go out right away and buy a bunch of these cheap series two thinking, okay, I could, I could just trade these in for, you know, they're five, six, $7. I can just trade these in for tickets someday and at least get a, a chance at the lottery to get one of these extremely uh, rare moments. But I don't know what, what were your takeaways from the trade ticket announcement that Top Shot made earlier this week? Yeah, no, I think you explained it really well. I mean, for me, it's it's enticing to do what you were just saying in general, even though it's a long game here playing out till the end of 2022. You know, I still think that what we're all striving for are those series one moments that mm -hmm. are way more exciting, both from current value and potentially long-term value. So for me, I think that there is, you know, some potential to go out and scoop up those cheaper moments. So when you went and did that, did they, and you, as we, we spoke off air, Cody's more educated on this than I am up to this point, but is there a window for when you're allowed to, certain window for when you're allowed to trade in these moments? Or can you just do it at any point when you get them and then you, you don't know when the tickets process will uh, be available for trading in? Yeah, no, that was one thing that I hadn't seen. So they have they have 10,000 Series 1 reserve packs that are loaded with those those Series 1 moments. And they're planning on releasing about 70% of them um, via the trade ticket queue. But the rest are going to be held for promotional. So, so you're going to have about 7,000 packs available. And I, I don't know how many people are going to try and do this. I would imagine quite a few collectors are. But the one thing that hasn't been made clear yet is how many tickets they're going to require. So I just unloaded, man. I just I was in there firing off $5 at a time, waiting my one minute, you know, the the one minute cooldown period, firing off $5 here and there. And I'm just thinking, okay, if, if they if they require 50 trade tickets or if they require 100, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be ready for for whenever that moment comes. But no, I haven't seen when those windows are going to be made available. Um, it could be still a few months until that happens. So if you're somebody that's like me and is is just wants to unload some dapper, you're not looking to maybe collect in some of these coveted moments right now, but you want to unload some dapper bucks on this, I would be expecting to hold these things for a while. I don't know exactly when I'm going to get my first chance to you know trade in some of these moments that I'm not necessarily into. So yeah, that was I the one thing I saw that they pumped a little bit. I bought a lot of these at like five bucks and they were up to like, you know, seven or eight dollars here. Uh, earlier today before the pack drop. But yeah, it's it's fun. I think it's interesting. I do wish if if I had one uh recommendation, I wish that that maybe they would have would have adjusted the amount that the tickets were worth or the number of tickets you could purchase based off of maybe the value of the trade-in or you know rare is worth so many trade-in tickets versus common versus legendary. But I get it. They're trying to uh you know trying to entice um people to collect in the moments that are truly coveted. So I I I appreciate them for doing that. I think that the way they're distributing these moments is um, something that's fair to all collectors. So yeah, if you're yeah. someone that, that doesn't have the bankroll to go out and buy a, a $10,000 plus LeBron moment, but wants a shot at the lottery, go for it. Well, I mean, I wonder if they'll change the rules at any point, because we still, as you said, have 18 months till the end of this whole thing. Did I, I mean, did they say that the rules are subject to change? Do you know? Like, I wonder if they'll, they will do something where, oh, if you hand in an Ellie, it's worth five tickets or, mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything in the blog post. I'm going based off of that. I'm, I'm treating that as official. Uh, I'm not in the Discord streets, the Top Shot Discord streets anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm out of that game right now. So, um, you know, if, if they change that, that might be a good thing. It wouldn't be great for me. <laughs> my, my ticket, my trade-in ticket value will, will substantially decrease. But right. you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I do want a shot at some of those. So some of those early series one LeBron moments. So I yeah. will be holding on to my trade tickets as long as I can, just for the 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 fingers crossed moment if I can get into the queue.
Well, I think I'm going to follow your lead because I'm on my evaluate market right now. And I still see that some of my moments are only five, six bucks. So uh, I'll Beautiful. go in and, and grab some more of those, I think. We'll hold until then. And we'll, we'll update here um, as more information comes out. We'll, we'll, we'll continue this news and notes section towards the top of the pod. And we'll, we'll update if we have any more information come out from Top Shot or if we you know kind of change our strategy. Yeah. But like I said, we've got a loaded show today. We're going to get into the second installment of the Starter Pack. If you missed uh, episode two, where we went over uh, Top's NFT MLB release and uh, talked about Starter Pack there, Gary was uh, Gary eloquently broke down how he evaluates the market, and I threw in my two cents as well. I'm going to kick it to Gary to talk to this week about uh, entry points into the sports card market. In 2020, 2021, you've got so many different ways to start collecting now. And so many different price points you can get involved in. You can uh, from from a dollar up to thousands of dollars. So so Gary, why don't you talk about whether you're a new collector, um, you know, or or a, someone that's collected for a while? Why don't you talk about some of the entry points into the traditional card market? Yeah, for sure. So I think this will be great to build upon what we did last week, which was kind of a high level view of the card market as a whole. Uh, and the ways to look at it if you're if you're new or if you've been in it for a while. So today I want to talk about, you know, as you just mentioned, entry points into the card market, different places that you can acquire traditional cardboard. So there are so many ways you could do it. And I actually think the best place to start, uh, we'll be talking about, I'm going to talk actually about the traditional ways you could buy cards, which are like your old fashioned going into a card store, traditional card store and direct purchasing. So I think today the best place to start is that you can actually buy cards from the producers themselves. We talked about those brands last week, Panini and Tops. You could go on their website, PaniniAmerica.net is the Panini website and Tops.com is Tops. And they do drop their releases on there. So when new releases come out the day of, they do have those drops on there at the retail price, the sticker price. The problem is those will sell out quickly. It's kind of like if you've ever been on trying to get like a, a shoe drop from Nike or something through the app, sometimes you have to be lucky just to hit it at the right time. If the site doesn't crash, things like that. If it's a really popular product, they'll do that. Panini has started doing something that is called a Dutch auction, where if it's a really, really popular product, when it releases, they'll start it at a super high price, which you have the availability to purchase at. And every five minutes, the price will decrease more and more until mm -hmm. it's sold out. So you can do that. You just have to, and we'll keep you in the loop as far as uh, release dates of new products. So you'll know when to go check out the websites right now. And uh, you'll be able to get, you'll be able to go do that, that self, uh, do it yourself. Uh, another way to do it, just traditional is going into what is called, an, well, is usually called in the hobby, an LCS, a local card store. It's your traditional hobby shop, for example, that uh, you probably have one somewhere in driving distance of your home. Uh, you know, different areas have different amounts of them. But if you Google sports card store near me or something like that, you should find something within hopefully an hour radius of where you are. Mm -hmm. And you go in there and they'll have all the hobby product that we talked about last week, the difference between hobby and retail. Uh, they'll have all of that available to you. You're just going to want to, before you go in there and buy a box or a pack or whatever, you're probably going to want to make sure that you're getting a good price on it because a lot of the times those will be hiked up a little bit, but you are going to pay a more expensive price than you would have if you got it direct from the producer. So those are the old school ways. And then of course we mentioned last week, Target and Walmart are going to be where you're going to find your retail product if you're lucky enough to do so. Very hard to do it, but if you're lucky, that's where you're going to find the 20 to $50 type boxes. So that's the old school way of just, hey, I want to go buy cards. I think the next place you want to look after that is back to our old friend eBay, which we've spoken about, which is just a great place to, first of all, just learn more about 
the market on your own. You, you could do so much research just by typing in the search bar, a player you're looking for and something like that. So I think the best way to do that, if you're just trying to buy an individual card, Hey, I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan. I want to go buy a couple Patrick Mahomes cards, start small. You can start just typing in, Hey, Patrick Mahomes rookie card, see what comes up, learn about them, Google on the side, you know, go to the eBay sold listings. Like we talked about, you know, there's every imaginable card you could possibly think about on eBay from 99 cents to a 30,000 plus that dollar card will be there. And honestly, in today's day and age, every single main major player is going to have cards in that entire range. So you will be able to find that if you just search. So you could search of a name, then you could search of a name with a product, then you can add a grade to it if you want to say PSA 10. And you can just expand out from there. You can be as detailed as you want. Uh, and then you, there are filters on the sides of eBay in which you could search by year, by player, by product, by grade, if it's autographed or not. Uh, there's all filters available there to you. And if you're a good seller on eBay, like I like to think that I am, you're going to make sure that you mark all those things off as you list cards. So that's available to consumer or customers to, to search for that way. So that's the best way. And then if you're about to buy a card, oh, you see a card you like, you know, again, do all the things we talked about last week to make sure, you know, look at comparables. So use sold listings to make sure you're getting a fair price. Um, or any of the tools we talked about last week, like 130point.com. Uh, Card Ladder is another one I failed to mention last week that I think is another great um, tool that gives long-term graphs. You can look anywhere from years to weeks as far as what a card has done. So uh, another thing you want to make sure you do on eBay is that you're buying from a reputable seller. So mm -hmm. every eBay seller will have a feedback score and the amount of feedback ratings there. So basically, if Co I'm buying a card from Cody, he sent me the card. Everything went great. I'm going to go in there and write a little review, smooth transaction, give them all five stars, whatever. And he gets a thumbs up feedback score. And so if you will, and then it's based off a percentage from there. So every seller is going to have a percentage of positive feedback. So you want to see really 99% or hundred percent from the seller to feel good about buying from that seller. Uh, and then the other thing that just takes time once you get to know it is that the listing titles, sellers try to be really sneaky in there. You don't want to get confused. You don't want to get snooped by uh, crappy title listing. So you'll see something, for example, uh, I don't know, I'm looking at a Russell Westbrook. Um, I brought him up because he had 20 rebounds and 20 assists tonight. It's unheard of. He had an absurd game tonight. Absolutely absurd. Obscene. But anyway, if you were typing in, hey, Russell Westbrook, rookie card tops Chrome, and uh, you want to, in a PSA 10, you wanted a perfect grade in a slab, you type that in, but you're going to, what you're going to see on your search is that you'll see some that are raw also. And mm -hmm. it'll be the seller saying, PSA 10 question mark exclamation. Oh my point. gosh. Like, well, this card will grade for you. And you know, you don't want that. So you just got to make sure that you are looking closely at what you're looking at. Yeah. That's as someone who is somewhat still new to the eBay game. Oh my gosh. Probably one of the most, probably one of the most tilting things about oh, yeah. sellers on eBay is, is when they'll put in, you know, gem mint question mark exclamation point or PSA, you know, possible PSA too. 10, like, you know, of, of course. And it almost seems like those uh, titles get more traction which is crazy to think about, but sometimes you'll see just absurd amounts of bids on those. And you're just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. But no, it's a good point. It's a good point. Don't, don't be fooled by, by crappy listing titles. There's, well, there's no reason to think that a graded, that, an, that a raw card that says PSA 10 question mark is any better than any other raw card. Yeah. There's right? actually different tricks you could do in the search bar. So if you do like um, a negative, like a dash, it's like, mm -hmm. like, a, like a subtraction sign, you could take out words in the listing. So if I want to type in 20, 2018 Patrick Mahomes prism, silver but i don't want it to be bgs say i don't want to be, i can do negative bgs and then if that if that would never any title that has the letters bgs in it would not show up in my search so you can really get creative with the way you search things to hopefully avoid those types of 
yeah. you know, crappy listing titles, but you're going to probably find them in your searches either way. So just, you got to be looking closely. Uh, the other thing you want to do is just look at the shipping costs. You don't want to get ripped off. You're paying for a $4 card. You don't want to pay $50 for shipping. That's something that sellers will do too, to try to kind of screw you over. You know, these are all really easy things to avoid, but you want to just make sure that you're paying what you should be paying for shipping. Uh, yeah, I mean, really that's it. And then just, if you're going to go out and buy a single on eBay or a box on eBay or multiple cards, just be a good buyer as, and, and that whole marketplace works well when people act in good faith. So pay within the 24 hour window that you're supposed to pay for a card. And it really, once you get more and more used to it, it's easy, you know, and then maybe you'll get into selling on there as well. It's, it's really not difficult if you act in good faith and you have good communication. So yeah, as, as someone that, like I said, as someone that came into the, to the, you know, the traditional hobby a little bit later in the game. Um, the, the eBay experience has really been amazing for me as somebody that, that I would consider myself a newbie in that, in that respect, the experience on eBay has been really good. Um, if, if I've sold a few things on eBay already, if, if you are a good seller, you will get good feedback. If you ship things the way you're supposed to, you know, all that thing that all those things that Gary touched on. Um, I think that's one of the things that, that is commonly considered one of the barriers to entry is the shipping and handling and receiving of products and dealing with eBay buyers and sellers. It really isn't that bad if you're dealing with good people. So like Gary said, I think one of the biggest things is if, if you're coming at it from like a newbie like myself, look at the ratings and you'll see who's selling a lot of cards on eBay. You'll probably get familiar with some of the names that you see when you're searching. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a fantastic. If you download the app and just just type whatever you want into the search bar on your mobile, you're laying in bed. I mean, it's really easy to 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 bid or, you know, even if you're looking at buy now stuff, it's just a, it's it's been a pretty good experience for me too. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. And uh, I'm very proud of my 100% feedback rating. I have sold thousands of cards over the last two years or so and still going strong with 100% feedback. So, and all those other things, we're going to touch on it a little bit later on in the starter pack, how to, if you want to get into selling and stuff, how yeah. to properly handle and store, because it's a great way to make sure you're you're acting in good faith on eBay and selling well. I actually think what you just mentioned is a really good transition into another entry point, which is consignment. So mm -hmm. if you're intimidated by everything we just talked about, and eBay still sounds, you know, a little bit overwhelming, maybe a little bit, you know, scammy to you. Um, I'm telling you, it's not if you're, you're it's really able, easy to avoid all that. But if but if it does, you can get into consignment, which a lot of people like as well. Basically, there's a bunch of companies and these are the kind of what you'll see the familiar names on eBay that are kind of the big fish of the eBay card world. And basically, they'll take your cards for you and do all the work. So just for a fees and the fees are usually around the same as an eBay fee, which is 10%. So you know, you won't really have to do much else and the consigner will do everything for you and then they'll just pay you out from there. I actually don't have much experience with it personally because I mm -hmm. like kind of handling all my own cards. I don't, I don't, I like, I don't like the idea of using the middleman, but I know so many people that do and have great experiences. So, you know, PWCC, Probstein is going to be the big one you're going to see all over eBay. Yeah. Uh, and he's based right out of New Jersey, actually. I could probably go drop cards off with him and. <laughs> Uh, and then PC sports cards, there's a ton. Some people just do raw. Some people just do uh, slabs. Some people do both. But, you know, you basically, hey, you send them your card. You tell them if you want to buy it now or an auction. Usually they work off auction. And a lot of times you might get actually a higher purchasing price for that card because they are a reputable uh, seller. And yeah. they have, you know, a lot of followers and customers. So that's that's another way to do it. And it's a, something that a lot of people don't do. So that's kind of the eBay and consigning side of things. Uh, I think one of the most important ways and relevant ways of an entry point in today's day and age are card breaks, which we briefly mentioned, I believe on the first episode. So just a little bit of a reminder of what a card break is. They're huge right now. You can find them all over the place on the interwebs, but they are basically a card breaker has relationships with distributors that send them cards and products 
sealed products, boxes, and usually cases. Cases have a certain amount of hobby boxes in them. So basically, you could go on to a break and you will split that case open with as many as you know 30 or 31 other people if you're doing an NFL break. Let's say you're doing an NFL break of National Treasures that just came out. That's a very high-end product. The cases cost like $16,000 and the boxes cost like $4,000 each, right? So instead of, hey, I'm going to go buy this $4,000 box, which I might not even get $800 worth of value back, mm -hmm. I'd rather spend you know, however much, 300 bucks, buy my favorite team. You can do it right off the website. And then any car that comes out of that from that team, you get, and it's split amongst all those other people. So that's called a pick your team break. Uh, sometimes there are random team breaks where you could buy into a full case and you'll get a random team assigned to you. Basically, these are great ways to get entry points into the card world at a more affordable price where you could still get high end stuff. You know, everything is super legit. If you're doing it with a, a legitimate breaker, they have live streams going. So you're going to be able to see everything that you hit in real time. You just make an account on their website usually, and they will send you all your cards that you hit well packaged uh, right to your address. It's, it's really simple. Um, I don't want to give out recommendations for breakers on here because there's a lot of different styles and people and, and different things that I do. But I use a bunch. If you're interested in recommendations for breakers, you can DM me uh, at ghartman314 on Twitter. I'd be happy to discuss with you some places to go. You know, there's all different types of breakers. You can find them on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch. Uh, breakers.tv is a website that a lot of them still use. It's strictly for card breaks, that uh, the live streams. So if you want to go, you could find some breakers right there. It's a great, great way to get into cards. Uh, Cody, do you have any questions about breaks? No, breaking is intriguing to me as someone who doesn't participate in a lot of breaks. The way I think about it, and may, it, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to misspeak on this, but but the way I think have always thought about breaks is it's almost like a lotto ticket, or if you're more on the fantasy side, it's almost like like entering a G, GPP, right? Most of the time, you're going to lose your entry fee. You're not, not going to make money. Or if you max entering something and you're, it's $3,000 to max enter, you might make back $1,800, right? But you do have that upside at a pretty reasonable expense to hit something huge. Like you, you talked about pick your team or random team. If, you, if you're ripping or breaking a, a box of uh, 2021 Prism basketball and you get assigned the, the Hornets, then all of a sudden you got a Lamello Silver or something or a Lamello Parallel, then all of a sudden you've made a huge amount of money on, on a small investment. And if you don't have the funds to purchase an entire box, it's a good way to go about it. So is that is that a fair assessment yeah. of the box breaking world? In today's day and age, it's a pretty fair assessment. So like what you just said makes a ton of sense. So basically, if you want to go get into a full case of Prism basketball break, it's going to be still going to be very expensive if you do random teams in today's day and age. So that is where it kind of has that more GPP break. But instead of like where the, the Hornets would just cost you $4,000 to buy, the random teams might cost everyone $400. So sure. you might get the Hornets at a $400 price point. But there are other products where there's a ton of cards coming back. They might be a little bit cheaper, and it still could be more of that cash game feel where you are going to get something back if you enter it and you buy a spot in it. So it really depends on what product you're getting into. But yeah, there, there is some risk to the high-end stuff for sure. But it's, it is a great way to get volume and a chance at high-end stuff without absolutely breaking the bank. And on that high-end stuff, if you're not into, if, if you're, you've heard our talk about eBay and you've heard a talk about consignment and that's still not for you, is there any way for other people to, maybe you've got a bigger bankroll, maybe you're somebody that wants the high-end, the super high-end stuff, what's the best way to go about getting some of the high-end products? Yeah, so both buying and selling, I think probably the safest way if you really, if you're looking in like 
my recommendation if you're looking for like high four figures and up cards, so I'm talking closer to five figures and up, you probably want to start, you want to look at some auction houses and what they have available to you. So Golden Auctions is the famous one you're going to hear a lot about, but there's a ton of them out there now. And they're a lot safer for the buyer and the seller. You know, you're not getting screwed over. A lot of them run credit checks on their buyers mm -hmm. uh, just to make sure that they have the money to pay for what they're going to bid on. And it is a, it you know, the fees aren't, as crazy as eBay either, I believe. And I, I have not yet uh, bought or sold at an auction house, but I probably will over the next year or so at least be selling some there that of my high-end stuff that I feel more comfortable doing. But just if you Google any of the high sales, so LeBron James just set the new record, the LeBron James rookie patch autograph from Exquisite was a 5.2 million, I believe, yep. went for last week. So that's those, those sales are always going to be, you're going to see them at auction house, either auction houses or private listings. So it's just another way to get involved if you're looking to kind of dive right in from a, a big bankroll, you know, kind of alternative investment standpoint. And if you've got the itch for something super high end, but you don't have the bankroll for it, the perfect way to get involved is fractional, something that that's my wheelhouse, something that I got started and, you know, an alternate investing, if you want to call it that. If you want that exquisite patch, rookie patch, autograph LeBron card, but don't have $5.2 million to get it. A lot of these sites, um, Rally, Rally Road, Collectible, Otis, Dibs, a lot of these new companies that are propping, propping up all over the place, they're allowing you to invest fractionally in some of these premium assets. So for me, the, the reason why I was so excited about getting started in this is because I wasn't necessarily married to the physical ownership of a card. I didn't need to feel the card to have ownership in it, right? So it's a great way to invest in those premium type assets if you don't physically need to own the card to have ownership in it. So you you kind of benefit in the same way when your card trades or when your when your asset trades on the secondary market that if it goes to auction house, right? If if you bought a card for $100,000 and sold it at auction house for $300,000, you get a $200,000 profit. In the same way that works in fractional investing, if you buy a card for $10 a share, it trades on the secondary market at $20 a share major profit. So it's a good way if you've got a smaller bankroll, or if you're just looking to diversify more, if you don't have, you know, if you're looking at some of these new cards that are like the two rookie cards, or if you're looking at uh, Mahomes rookie cards, and you're thinking, well, okay, $6,000 or $5,000 is a little bit out of my, my bankroll, or even $300 for a two type card is out of my bankroll uh, on one single asset, you can diversify a little bit and get exposure to a variety um, at whatever budget fits your your range. The one thing that's extremely appealing to me is I know that there are a lot of people out there that want to invest in uh, alternative assets like we're talking about. But they don't have the money to do it. So you bring in a whole swath of people that wouldn't otherwise be interested in the hobby um, that can now be interested because they've got the they've got the type of entry points that they can uh, get involved at. So um, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about a bunch of these uh, in future episodes, but Rally, uh, Collectible, Otis, Dibs, if you want to check any of these out, um, most of them you can download in the app store and, and just just browse, just browse and see, get a, get a feel for it, get a feel for the price points, get a feel for the assets. If it's something that you're interested in, uh, yeah, definitely recommend checking them out. I don't know, have yeah. you, you mentioned this week that you made your first fractional purchase. So why don't you talk about that? I'm, I'm super excited about fractional. So when, when Cody and I first got linked up, I, I knew he was into the fractional streets, as he says. So I wanted to kind of dive in and see what it was all about. So I had him send me some invites to some of the sites. I'm really into it. First of all, from a UI perspective, I think it's great. Most of these sites, mm -hmm. you know, Rally, uh, Collectible, they're both 
it, it's if you've ever been on Robinhood or something like that, it kind of has that type of. Oh, absolutely. So, which is yeah. which I think is great. That you know, if you're looking at it from like the same way you'd invest in stocks, which is what you should be looking at it as, it it has that same type of ease of use. You can look at your portfolio, you can see how your investments have done over a certain period of time. Uh, but for me, and I, I texted Cody this past week, I put some money in a few of these sites, and Rally had a Muhammad Ali like rookie card graded PSA nine, I think, or something like that. And I'm like, this is something that I probably will never get my physical hands on. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I will look at it. Things that I think are truly unattainable for me physically, I would love to, to be able to dive in here. So I made my first uh, investment in on there on Rally this week, and I plan on doing more in the future. I'm excited about it. You've come over to the dark side. I love it. Yeah. We're 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 rubbing off on each other because I'm buying I'm buying slabs and you're investing on rally. So it's this hey. is a perfect marriage here. Absolutely. I'm All right. To hear more about fractional in the coming weeks too. We're uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, we we've gone long enough without talking any football. So why don't you start us off? Just set the stage for me. Set the stage for the audience on uh, the current state of the football card market. You did this so eloquently last week with baseball. Why don't you kick it off and, and talk to me about football? Thanks. Well, I, I'm glad you said that because I'm my biggest critic and I, I listened back and I don't know if I thought I did it so eloquently with baseball, <laughs> but I will say football is way more my wheelhouse than baseball is. I'm a baseball fan, I'm a baseball collector, but uh, it definitely comes in third of football and basketball for me. So uh, first of all, happy NFL draft post NFL draft. I know, I think we both figured out you and I are both very big draft heads and I, I hope you enjoyed your draft weekend. One of the best weekends of the entire sports calendar. I, I put out a tweet. I love the transaction as much as I love the action. So if you're telling me I've got to pick between like NFL draft week and the Super Bowl, whew, close. I, it's close. It's close. I love the transaction. So I love seeing these kids get drafted. I love it all. I love the offseason. I love free agency. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm right there with you. We're, we're in the same boat there. So um, yeah, let's talk about the NFL card market. So basically, I, I, what I think happened over the past year is that the NFL card market changed forever. Now, the, you're, you're probably thinking the entire card market changed forever, which it did. But I think the NFL is in a special place here because the entire card market changed while this crazy, like so, so many people were getting into it, while this crazy group of like special rookies were quarterbacks, particularly, were joining the league. And I think that combination together kind of made this explosion of this past year of the of 2020 NFL sports cards. So we are at this point now where football is basically in the same lane as basketball as far as sealed wax is concerned, crazy, crazy prices, and you know, real serious uh, high-end alternative investments at the at the top. So for example, I mean, Patrick Mahomes' prices are just in a class of his own as far as modern day players, except for Tom Brady rookie stuff, you know. And you know, we're we're talking his just key regular prism PSA. 10 silver rookie card is going for like 11 grand right now. And that's just kind of his baseline flagships. So we're not even talking the high end patch auto stuff there. So it's, it's really crazy. Um, and we've had him that catapulted it to a certain level. Then we had the card boom and then we had Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. And so we're basically at this point now where the football card market is, is really booming. And this draft's just going to, I think, take it one step further. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's a perfect transition point because you mentioned the 2020 class and oh my goodness, did the draft help the 2020 class and not even the draft, just the, the off season in general, all of these guys seem to these, their teams, at least the ownership and, and management seem to really invest in these guys and build teams around them. So a lot of these guys are going to be around for the long haul. And some of these guys we'll be talking about as top five, top 10 quarterbacks in a few years, I think. Totally. So we didn't talk a whole lot before, before we started recording 
why don't we just go rapid fire on some of the biggest winners and some of the biggest losers from the draft? Why don't, why don't you start out and you don't have to rank these, but start out with your first guy that you think of when you say biggest winners of the 2021 NFL draft. And even the off season, if you got guys that, that had transactions during free agency, hit on some of those guys too. kick it off for us. Yeah. Uh, Let's start right at the top, right? With last year's number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. I think, you know, let's assume he can and hope that he comes back healthy from the injury. And if he does, he's, you got to figure he's in a, sitting in a in a pretty nice place. So obviously he brings in his college teammate, Jamar Chase, the consensus number one wide receiver in the class. And I was a little bit skeptical, actually. I thought they should have went Sewell. They should have went offensive line for him. Mm-hmm. But they came around in the second round and they got him his tackle. So, you know, I think he's in a great spot as far as just improving the team. And, you know, listen, stay upright, but if he can come back healthy, bounce back, I think his prices are going to really take a, take a jump. So right now his 2020 just base prism PSA rookie cards going for about $650, which is up actually over the last week, I believe. I think it was kind of mid five hundreds last week. So you're seeing the, that, that increase just from the hype around his off season so far. And, you know, you're going to get a discount on, on Herbert. He's still more expensive than Tua, but, you know, looking forward, I think his outlook is certainly bright. That's such a good point to bring up. Where where do you think public perception is on Burrow versus Herbert after the year that Herbert had last year? Before we get into Herbert, because I know we've both of us have a lot of things to say on Herbert coming up. But um, when you're looking at prices and you see that Herbert is is more expensive than Burrow still, um, what's what's your general consensus takeaway on where where public perception lies with Burrow versus Herbert as the top two guys in this class? Yeah, that's actually a good point. So that started shifting pretty quickly in the middle of the season in the in the hobby. So even before Burrow got hurt you were starting to see Herbert become the guy. And obviously after the injury, it really kind of went crazy towards the Herbert side. So right now you're the only quarterback in the league really with higher high end prices than Justin Herbert. And, and some of that is recency bias with the new releases of national treasures and stuff, mm-hmm. but is Patrick Mahomes. So there's no one. And again, Brady's a different story. There's no one selling the young quarterbacks better than Justin Herbert besides Mahomes. So, in that case, you're no one's going to be better. You know, Josh Allen, you know, had an MVP case last year. His stuff's not bigger than Burrow's. I mean, than Herbert. So Burrow, obviously, as from a public perception standpoint, is pretty significantly under Herbert. Now, I think the gap might not be as far, you know, as perception is, but we have to see Her- Burrow get back on the field first for me to be a hundred percent sure in that take. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you do you think if Herbert start or if, if Burrow starts the year strong, that you're going to see that those prices narrow a little bit? Yeah, totally. I mean, if, if you're a Burrow believer and if you're a Burrow believer before the injury and you think that that Bengals team is positioned well for him, at least personally moving forward, I think I would buy in for as you know closer to before the season starts than, than like when we get into preseason and you hear the reports of him on the field and looking good and feeling healthy. I would I would get in before those reports start trickling out on Burrow. Beautiful, beautiful. OK, we've got I've got a lot of things to say on Herbert, too, but I, I got to get to my guy. Um Tua Tagovailoa, he's he was my big winner of draft weekend. Um, his prices were ranging anywhere from like 400 to 420 um, pre-draft. I don't think they've moved a ton. Actually, I put out a tweet. I got I I was sniping some eBay auctions this week, and I got one for 298. So I felt pretty good about that. Um, for me, with with Tua, the the one thing that kind of kicked it off for me was was obviously they got rid of Fitzpatrick, right? You had that guy looking over your shoulder, and he's always going to be one of those guys that's looking over your shoulder as as kind of the veteran in the locker room. So getting rid of him was huge for me. There's no there's not going to be any sort of questionable competition. Is he going to get pulled in game if he's struggling? You don't have any of those issues anymore. So 
that was that was kind of like the the thing that kicked it off for me. And then they addressed his lack of weaponry. They added Will Fuller, who we know is a QB elevator. He's every time he's been on the field with Deshaun Watson, he's helped Deshaun Watson. And then just like just like Joe Burrow, they reunited him with Jalen Waddle. So he's got an old college teammate. They were at Alabama. He's got he's got the the Alabama connection there with Waddle. Waddle's been comped to. I know I know Levitan's going to hate this, but Waddle's been comped to Tyreek Hill. I've never heard. You got, you've got all this speed uh, in the Dolphins in the Dolphins skill position group. Uh, they've got Devontae Parker coming back. Gasecki's capable of playing in the slot. He can play in line. He can play out wide. I think these guys are just going to gel well together. And then they address the the offensive offensive line situation with Liam Eikenberg in the second round. So I feel really good about what the Dolphins did this this offseason to help Tua and to build around him. And hopefully we get a true evaluation. The reason why Tua is my number one guy is I just don't think public perception's there on Tua yet. They, it seems like people are kind of down on him after last year. Obviously, he had the situation with with Fitzpatrick, and they couldn't win a must-win game to get in the playoffs. So it seems like there's some question marks, but he's another year removed from the hip injury. Obviously, all these guys that we're talking about were, you know, suffered from a COVID offseason, battled through that. So hopefully, we get a full offseason now, and, and we just see to a stock soar. Hopefully, I, you know, as someone who's who's buying Tua right now, I'm hoping he can kind of get his name into that top top tier quarterback from the 2020 class. I don't know what, what do you think he's got that type of ceiling to compete with those guys now? Yes. Yeah, so two is a buy for me for sure. If for no other reason that you're getting such a discount compared to his, uh, you know, classmates. And I think the big, one of the biggest things that you didn't mention into his favor is just having Flores at the, at the helmet. Yes. I mean, if there's any coach to believe in to get, to write that ship and to make to a, into a star right now, it is it's Flores in that program. So listen, year two, I think there's a very good chance to, it could take a jump. I was I was concerned about some of the things I saw on the field last year too, but you very eloquently pointed out all the issues that were going on last year, both in the league and in Miami. And maybe he wasn't as healthy as as we thought he was, you know. And I think that's that's something people didn't know how healthy he would be his rookie year. I don't know I don't know if he was either, and I definitely am willing to give him that that sophomore chance to see if he can take that jump. And I would certainly be buying to it right now again same thing before you hear start hearing all those good training camp reports that he's looking good he's ready to you know be the be the leader of that team and take over so yeah yeah that's a good point with Flores and and, uh in just management in general it seems like they're really they're they're committed to doing things the right way they drafted really well this weekend Um, by all accounts they had a great draft both both value wise and the players that they got so if you want to invest in somebody in your in your thinking this isn't even somebody that I want to flip in season you want to invest long term I kind of believe in in the Dolphins to right the ship and and to to start competing for titles hopefully here soon. You got a good shot at playoffs this year. The AFC the AFC East got tougher um, with the Bills and, and we'll talk about the Patriots moves here. But yeah, it's it's an organization that I'm slowly coming around on and, and starting to believe in. Yeah, I agree there. All uh, right, who you got? Who you got? Who's your second guy? Uh, I hate this because I'm a huge Giants fan, as <laughs> you all get to know more about me, but. I think from both a card prices standpoint, uh, chances at success on the field, and definitely as a fantasy football standpoint, it's hard to argue that anyone help, got help more than Jalen Hurts this weekend. And, you know, 
talk about another guy who is kind of, you know, cheaper than the rest of his classmates in the last year's rookie class, but, you know, getting the Heisman trophy winner, Devonta Smith, jumping my giants to get him, And then coming back, same thing. You're seeing this trend here where these second year quarterbacks are getting their receiver in the first round and then getting the offensive lineman in the second round. I uh, kind of wish the giants were able to pull that off too, but I like their second round pick also, but you know, getting Dickerson out of Alabama in the second round for the interior of that offensive line is going to help them a lot. And, you know, he just, it, he definitely, just vastly improves from those two additions. Now, I don't know how I would feel about the rest of their receiving core. I mean, Goddard and Ertz still provide that outlet for him, but you know, getting these two guys is a big step up for for Jalen Hurts, no doubt. All right, we got to we got to continue with the theme of the 2020 theme here. We might as well just close the loop on all the quarterbacks that are viable from this class and and Justin Herbert and the Chargers. How about them Hog Mollies, man? They they went after the offensive line this offseason. They not even in the draft. They 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 they're gonna get Brian Bulaga back. He's gonna be healthy. They added one of the best centers in the league in Corey Lindsley. They're adding uh starting starting caliber guard Matt Filer. And then, as if that wasn't enough, they get Rashawn Slater to just fall in their lap at 13. I mean, my goodness. He was he was considered the the second best offensive lineman in the draft by some people, the best offensive lineman in the draft over Sewell, but he was my favorite. I was screaming for the Giants to take him at, uh, you know, at 11. And then obviously Trader Dave, you know, makes the great trade to get the Bears first round pick. But, it, you know, if, if he didn't done, hadn't done that, I would have been very upset if they stayed there and, and didn't take Slater. And, and look, like I, I'm no offensive line guru. I'm going to lead on ETR's Brandon Thorne and PFF. PFF had this group rated as the 32nd, the, yeah. the worst in the league, the worst offensive line in the league last year. So They've they've literally upgraded at almost every position across the board. I'm feeling really good about you know, and he, he it almost feels like he's at he's at his peak of of where public perception is at and where the hobby's valuing him at. But my goodness, they've they've completely revamped that offensive line. Uh, they even drafted a a blocking specialist at tight end to couple with Jared Cook and uh, and our you know ETR's favorite Donald Parham in the receiving aspect. On top of that, they got a wide receiver in the third round who, if you're not into the draft uh, the draft world, you probably don't know this guy, but Josh Palmer, a uh, guy out of Tennessee. And I didn't know about this guy until I listened to the podcast, uh, the Established Run podcast with Mike Renner. He's a favorite of Mike Renner's. Mike Renner really likes this guy. So he's going to replace the snaps um, that were handled by Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson in 2020. So I'm feeling really, really good about three wide receiver sets. The only thing that that has got me concerned is, like I said, he's he's kind of at the peak of of where public perception has him, and he's coming off a rookie of the year season. He was just balled out last year. So, um, can he reach new heights this year? And what does he have to do to reach new heights? What are some potential price catalysts? You know, for Herbert at this point, I think he's probably got to make you know make a run at the playoffs. I don't know. What what, what do you feel going into year two with Herbert? Do you think that we're we're kind of buying the top with Herbert? Even even though the offseason adjustments have been great, where, where are you at? Oh, actually, this is a good time. And I forgot to mention this when we gave the quick primer on the football card market as well. The quarterbacks in every other position are just completely different. Okay. It's kind mm -hmm. of like pitchers and hitters in baseball. There's quarterbacks and there's everything else. Quarterbacks are going to be your long-term investments. They're going to be what rival LeBron prices in basketball. So it's it's the pinnacle. Now, if you believe in Justin Herbert, and Cody, do you believe in Justin Herbert? Like, do you think what we saw last year was more real than it wasn't? Yes. Yeah, I do too. 
then yeah, there's certainly more heights to get to. Of course there is. I mean, you see what Mahomes is doing, and I mean, he's he's flashes a similar skill set at times. And if he could just stay upright, I mean, think about what the season he put together with, as you just said, the 32nd ranked offensive line. And you just very, as you said, you, you very well took us through everything they did to improve that line. You know, if he could make a run, just make a playoff run. Just just build upon it, at least hit that same level of your peaks mm-hmm. from last year and build, show small steps. His market's going to stay the same and, and keep growing. You know, quarterbacks also, they, they're going to see the same market corrections that the rest of the market do as far as, you know, uh, peaks and valleys. But they also have the potential to transcend any lows. You know, they, they can basically, uh, they can, they can still reach crazy highs even in low markets because they're quarterbacks and it's what people look for and it's it's and if if justin herbert is the real deal like we think he is there's there's still plenty of room for that market to grow absolutely and and you're so right about the quarterback market too like these guys are even if even in market corrections these guys are the the guys that people are seeking and and someone that's shown justin herbert's skill set is going to get quite a leash from the hobby when it comes to buying their prices even if he comes out of the gate and struggles in 2021 I don't think that we're going to see much of a pullback in his prices based off of what he did last year. Like if you, if he comes out and has a rough first three games or the schedule is tough or something like that, I would, you know, you'll see a tiny dip probably and just buy up real quick. You know, that's the time to do it. We'll talk about that stuff in season, but it's, he's, he's a special kid. I have some sick Herbert product that maybe I'll show sometime, but it's, I'm excited about him. And I think that he's, he's, he's still very safe and has room to grow. We got to talk before these shows because I will say my favorite part of of episode two is when you pulled out that color blast that that Giannis. Yeah. So we yeah. need to get these we need to get these queued up because that was a that was yeah that was a highlight for me. Yeah. No. I I always have well, maybe one day I'll show my ridiculous setup here down here in my office too. But I'm just surrounded by cardboard as far as like I have a pile of stuff that's on eBay. I have things that are getting ready to sell. Uh, I have slabs that I might put up. I'm just, I have things all over the place. So, I mean, I had some stuff today just as far as like, I didn't know if we were going to get into showing the, we, we had talked about maybe showing the different prices in just the prism based rookie cards from the past couple of years. So I just took out some of the ones that I had here near me. So I have a Baker Mayfield. This is what this prism looks like. Just like prism based. Mm-hmm. So this is 2018. So that's just a PSA 10. And you can see they have a little bit of a different design each year. So this is 2019. Here's a Kyler Murray. So these, and these are just base prism rookie PSA 10. So these are beautiful to monitor the market of the individual uh, quarterbacks. They're, you're going to kind of look at the prices of that card as to, to really see what that player is doing from just the regular Chrome base card. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the baseline. If we're referring to prices, generally, if we're referring to prices, we'll mention otherwise, but generally if we're referring to prices on the show, we're probably talking about Panini prism for football and basketball, their, their PSA 10 base card. And then for for autographs for football, not to sidebar too much, there's Panini contenders, which a lot of the time you'll you'll be referencing for an autographed rookie card. Not talking about patch autographs. I'm strictly talking just autograph cards. Right. Fine. I'll do one more. Okay. Hold on. Oh, you got this one is, more. This is uh, contenders from this year. Here's a Joe Burrow rookie contenders oh. ticket autograph. Okay. Oh. So this is if you see this, this is a Panini. Uh, yeah. One touch. This means that this was a redemption. So basically, he hadn't signed the card when I had pulled it in a pack or a break or however I got it. So you basically just put the code in on the Panini website and then they'll send you the card when he finally signs it. So that's what this is. I have this in my box over here to eventually prep for grading as long as it looks good. Just such a sick flex. Just such a sick flex for the it's show. It's funny that Incredible. I didn't know that card was right next to me. So that worked out. <laughs> uh, so All right. That's, yeah. You know, let's keep going. Do you have anyone from not from the 2020 Panini Prism class that won this weekend? So 
uh, I know we have somebody else on our list here, and uh, and that's Lamar Jackson, who I do think got some help this weekend. You know, obviously, uh, most notably with the Rashad Bateman selection at the end of the first round, the receiver, who I think a lot of people like, myself included. Uh, but I want to I want to throw this back to you actually, because for me, my thoughts on Lamar is really the only person that can help Lamar Jackson's market is Lamar Jackson. I think that his receivers can help him, sure, but he's such a specific style of player that you need to see him kind of get back to that two years ago on field presence to hit that market again with his legs and with his accuracy. Uh, and I don't know how much bringing in other receivers will necessarily impact that market, but I would love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And I, I posted a uh, graph of his most recent sales that actually date back to like February of 2020. And he really shot up during that, 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 uh, well, following the MVP year, basically, he he shot up to some pretty sick highs. He almost touched four grand um, for his Panini Prism PSA 10 base card. And then, obviously, throughout the year, he struggled. Wasn't even really a reliable fantasy asset last year, which was crazy, but really struggled last year. Ravens flamed out, and his price is kind of, kind of flatlined at right around $800, $900. So to your point, yeah, the thing with Lamar is he is such a unique talent that he really needs to kind of create a lot of his offense on his own. And for people to buy back into it, he's got to be doing it a lot of it himself, unless he's going to develop more as a passer, which plays into what I think was the biggest thing for him this off season. And he finally got some skill at the damn receiver position. They were trotting out miles Boykin and Devin Duvernay and Willie Sneed. I mean, my goodness. And, and, and look, we're, we're not even sold on Hollywood. You know, we're not even sold on Hollywood yet. Right. Yeah. So they add Rashad Bateman. A lot of the draft folks love Rashad Bateman. He can be a true alpha, I think. Yes. And even even if he's not a true alpha with the 27th overall pick, if he can just complement Marquise Brown, right? If those two can can be a wide receiver one A and wide receiver one B, that'd be great. So yeah, I think that's what they need from him the most. Like obviously be that reliable target, but open up the field more for Brown. And Mark Andrews took a step back last year. Yeah. Let's see him take that you know, get him back to the same MVP season level that, that Lamar was at. And I think we could definitely, I think we'll see those prices rebound a little bit this year, no matter what. I think he's just in a better position. Right. Absolutely. And, and they added Tylen Wallace in the fourth round who, who was a baller in college. So, you know, I feel like with Lamar for him being a winner for me was, was more or less where we're at with, with how the hobby's viewing him right now and where they're valuing him at. I don't know if I expect another, you know, 2021 MVP run, but I do expect the Ravens to play a lot better than they did last year, and I expect Lamar to carry them there. So I'm kind of I'm kind of banking on that. I I couldn't find any Lamar Jackson auctions ending or any prices that I felt comfortable with. Um, after I was looking post draft, I felt really good about the receivers they added and the moves that they made with even with Watkins. I mean Sammy Watkins. I mean we're not crazy about that guy, but he's an upgrade from Miles Boykin and Devin Duvernay. So no, but I I was looking to buy. So I, I all right, go ahead. I was looking to buy, so I went on I, on dibs and I bought a few shares of of Lamar base and and uh, silver cards on dibs. So yeah, I feel really good about where Lamar's Lamar's at right now, and and I'm hoping that he can at least kind of get back to his MVP ways a little bit this this coming season. Yeah, well, just for reference of how much he's falling, you said that I think it hit four thousand the the base PSA ten Prism rookie card. I think the most recent one sold for like eight fifty or something like that. So yeah. If you want to get in on Lamar, you can get in on Lamar some some really palatable prices right now. He's he's pretty dang cheap. Totally, totally. Um, so yeah, keep mo moving on here. Let's talk some some non quarterbacks quickly. You know, I mentioned that quarterbacks are king in football. That's not to say that skill players don't have value. They do, 
but I think that there are a couple things about them. One, unless they're going to be a really, really special player, you know, Larry Fitzgerald type guy uh, from the recent years that will have Hall of Fame potential, they might not have serious long-term sustained value, but they are definitely good pieces to play around with in this flip game. You know, the short, like if you're, if, if you want to buy some, I don't know, uh, Kenny Galladay before the season starts and then he gets out to a really hot start weeks one through six, stays healthy, scores eight touchdowns, flip it week seven. You probably did a good job in two months there is my guess is what I'm saying. So the market's definitely reflective of what they're doing on the field. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention about this is we did see a little bit of a change as far as skill position players in 2020 uh, players, really led by Justin Jefferson having a pretty strong wide receiver oh, yeah. market, which you did, you hadn't really seen, even when we've seen some crazy rookie years in recent years. I mean, you see these guys have markets, but Jefferson really took a step up to, to compete with some of the higher end guys. So, you know, that being said, I think we talk about some of the winners uh, from the wide, re- wide receiver position. Yeah. And I think we both agree on AJ Brown. AJ Brown was just an obvious winner from the, from the very onset of the off season. They shipped out Corey, uh, Corey Davis. They ship out Johnny Smith. Who is there? They even ship out Adam Adam Humphreys, yeah. right? Slot man Adam Humphreys. Who is there to get targets for the Tennessee Titans, right? And we're, we feel pretty good about where Tannehill is as a quarterback. We think he can get on the ball. A.J. Brown is going to be an absolute monster. And I don't know where you land on this, and I don't want to get too, too off track as we're already going long, but th- as the lines blur between fantasy and the hobby, I think more more folks that started out in the DFS and fantasy space are getting involved in, in collectibles. Yeah. That's interesting. As as AJ Brown starts balling out, man, people are going to be interested in buying his card. And I think he's going to be an absolute monster from a volume perspective. And we already know he's efficient. So yeah, I think I think AJ Brown is a clear winner. I looked from his class with with uh obviously he came out with DK Metcalf. Um DK DK's average price this offseason has been around 250. And you could you could have had Brown at about 145. So if you think he if you think he just has like a DK Metcalf type season, and obviously there's other things that go into that popularity and, and things of that nature, but um, if you think that that AJ Brown can have a DK Metcalf type season, boy, he could really touch those 250 numbers, and you'd be looking at a pretty pretty bankable profit if you're buying now. So the other thing that you mentioned about these with like these skill position guys, wide receivers and running backs, the the population count on these guys is really really minimal. Like you don't see a lot of these cards sent in for grading which is both good and bad. It it helps, um, you know, with, with scarcity, but it's not super liquid. I've got a, a setting to look for AJ Brown cards. There's not very many PSA 10s popping up, even in the, at the base level. So um, you're not going to see a lot of them being sold and bought right now. But if you can get your hands on one for a reasonable price, I think AJ Brown is a huge winner this offseason. That's a good point. That's a good point. You could probably get a lot of these if you want to buy in bulk. You could probably get a bunch raw. And if you're sentiment for grading, grading when when the prices settle down, which again we'll get into in another episode, but you could probably do that as well. Um, so just some quick hitters, wide receiver winners. I think the Niners receivers are winners. Mm-hmm. Samuel and Ayuk for sure. I'm a Trey Lance believer. I think they made the right pick. Um, he's got all the intangibles. Throw him in with Shanahan. I think that's looking good long term. Same thing with the Jaguars receivers. Uh, Chark we saw really flash two years ago. I'm sure he has like no market at all. So you want to go pick up some of his stuff. Chenault actually did have a little bit of a sneaky market. There were some believers in him last year. But uh, same thing, you know, it can't hurt to have the the top quarterback be thrown to them long term. And then one last one, uh, real quick, Allen Robinson. I mean, talk about a guy that is underappreciated, real world, fantasy, hobby, everything. Uh, one of the best receivers in the, in the league. And would you say Justin Fields is the best quarterback he's he's ever played with? Easily, easily the best quarterback he's ever played with. I I went nuts. 
I was. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Now, okay. Here's the thing. I got to ask you as like a as like a hobby purist. I was. I had a few drinks on on you know Thursday and was was like, okay, they. I didn't. I didn't expect the Bears to get Justin Fields, right? So, uh, I I went on eBay and I literally bought every Allen Robinson rookie card I could find. That was at Buy It Now. So, so he was a rookie in 2014. Yeah. I think Tops had the NFL license in 2014. So I ended up in like a lot of them haven't even arrived yet, but I ended up with a lot of prism, yeah. right? Are these just, are these just worthless? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. So. Okay. So, they were all cheap. Like I'm not flexing anything here. They were all like seven or $8, but like I was just trying to buy everything. I'm like, Oh my gosh, awesome, this guy is right? going to have a great season. Like what is that card? That card has, that card has Jaguars logos on it. Yes. Yeah. It was just across. They both have licensing, I believe. So I have some tops Chrome, like Odell Beckham rookie stuff from that year but okay. i don't have too much panini but yeah it's just one of those weird years where they were both producing but it doesn't mean that it's not worth anything it's awesome man so after i bought everything i was like i, I should look that up because i've got a lot of cards that look really different here and uh yeah I, there's like very very low population counts on and i don't know if i'll send them in for grading or if i'll just hold on to them i'm just i love alan robinson like you said this dude's just undervalued in real life and fantasy and, and everything so yeah these just, these just might be an add to the collection but uh it's, once he got fields i was pretty happy Smart move, man. I, I, absolutely. So uh, let, let's keep moving along here. Uh, wanna, do you want to touch on a couple losers quickly? Yes. Go for it. Let's, let's start with, with Cam Newton because I, I wasn't collecting Cam Newton. I'm not super interested in Cam Newton. I'm not sure where you land on him after the draft. Obviously, one of the big questions going into the draft was, are the Patriots going to land the quarterback of their future? We think they did that with Mac Jones. Despite what the fantasy community thinks of Mac Jones, obviously no one in the fantasy community likes this guy, it seems like. Uh, but they do get their quarterback of the future, presumably at 15. Um, you know, Cam's cards have been fairly stagnant for quite a while now. Um, yeah, he's, you he's haven't saw, seen much price movement. But saw a quick jump at the very, very beginning of mm-hmm. the 2020 season when he was, everyone thought yeah. that uh, he was back. And then he yeah. told us that he wasn't after the COVID. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it's tough to have any interest on Cam. If he's not going to make the Hall of Fame, if we're sitting holding on to a quarterback that's you know going to be backing up Mac Jones, I don't think there's any value in, in holding Cam long-term. Yeah. One loser who is from one of the recent draft classes, Carson Wentz. So, so Carson Wentz is just a guy that I don't have a whole lot of interest in after what his team did to surround him with talent this or lack of talent this offseason. Uh, I don't think they addressed the offensive line with Anthony Costanzo's retirement, and uh, I was hoping for more weapons via the draft. Another guy that I think uh, whose team didn't do enough around him to, to help improve his situation as the other teams around them got better is, is Russell Wilson. Not only did the NFC West get a lot tougher this offseason with Matt Stafford coming into town and Trey Lance being drafted by the Niners, the Seahawks didn't do a ton to help out Russell Wilson. First of all, they didn't have a ton of draft capital to work with. Didn't have a first-round pick. They used their second, uh, their first selection in the second round uh, on a 24-year-old rookie, Dwayne Eskridge out of western michigan look i shouldn't i shouldn't poke fun i know there's plenty of people out there in the draft community that that uh that like this kid but it seemed like a bit of a reach uh where they were where they were drafting and after russ complained about a lack of protection this offseason earlier in february didn't do anything to address that offensive line so uh, i think the 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 some of the parts around russ uh in the division got a whole lot better i think the rams are a whole lot better i think the niners are a whole lot better I don't think the Seahawks did a whole lot to improve, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And then speaking in larger terms, 
the quarterback landscape as a whole, as we've touched on with this 2020 class and this 2021 class coming in, which we'll get to next, I don't think uh, uh, it, it, he, he might be losing his grip on, on the status of one of the best quarterbacks in the league, or he might be in that conversation in a couple of years with some of these guys that are up and comers. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on Russ or if I'm, I'm way out of line uh, downplaying his situation, but I just didn't feel good about what they did in the offseason. No, I think you're right on. I mean, first of all, for someone that had, was swirling with rumors around him of wanting to get out of town early in the offseason, like those interviews you were saying where he was complaining about the line and everything like that, all those rumors that him and Sierra want to live in a big market, you know, this uh, this won't help. The entire offseason for the Seahawks will mm. not help him. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. He is someone that still has a pretty big market for a quarterback, but he has dipped a little bit. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like he peaked um, in around March of this year. His tops Chrome, which would be his rookie PSA 10 mm-hmm. was going for around 1300 bucks in March. And now we're down to about $900. It stayed, stayed around right now. So he is down a little bit and I don't see it necessarily going up. So I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, let's touch on one quick skill position guy. That's a loser. Uh, I think both in the card community and in the fantasy community. And that is James Robinson. You know, he was the fantasy darling of last year, the biggest surprise of the season returned first round value for an undrafted guy. And he actually had a decent little, uh, market for a running back. First of all, I didn't have too many cards because they weren't really creating his cards at the beginning of the season for obvious reasons. He was in national treasures that came out last week. So his main rookie patch autographs, I saw a couple went right before the drafts for the, in between the four and $500 range, which is pretty good for a running back raw. And now they're down, I think into the two or 300 already. So drafting Travis Etienne, uh, you know, not going to help James Robinson's case, uh, on the field or in the market. Yeah, it could have been a great situation for him if they had just went Lawrence in the first round and skipped on running back. But uh, you know, pairing Lawrence with former teammate uh, ETN was not great for James Robinson. One situation that was that shook up the card community over the weekend uh, was Aaron Rodgers getting a little hot and heavy with uh, not too happy about the situation in Green Bay. Obviously, they haven't done a whole lot to surround him with talent outside of Devontae, At- Devontae Adams. Uh, Jordan Love's cards saw a nice little spike yeah. uh, over the weekend with the rumors that Aaron Rodgers might be out of town. His PSA 10 and a base, uh, his base PSA 10 went up from 250, uh, was last sold on 410 to 525. And I don't know, we're probably too early to say friend of the show, but John Daigle uh, actually messaged me back on Twitter when I said that people were cashing in on the rumor and said that he was the buyer of a $550 Jordan Love card. So oh, yeah, <laughs> the prices are up on Jordan Love. Is is this legit? And are the prices going to sustain if Rodgers is actually shipped out of town? And what do you think the chances are that Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer? I, I, I wish I can remember which report I saw today. Maybe you saw the same report, but some credible report put it a 5% chance that he plays for the Packers this year. Oof. I don't know if that's actually going to be what it is and you know that could be conjecture just based off everything that's going on right now but you know it's not looking good there long term right the other thing you're hearing a little bit and this might be coming just leaks out of green bay is that they really do like what they have in love he looks good they they i think they would they don't want to turn to him but if they have to go that route i think they would feel comfortable with what they have in, in jordan love so i think Listen, it's not a bad speculation by I do think Green Bay for a small market has actually a really big market in the card market. They're 
really loyal fans. Obviously, they travel everywhere for them. And it's just one of the famous franchises in NFL history. So if he turns into being the next star Packers quarterback, he's going to have a really strong market, just as Aaron Rodgers has had. So listen, I, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I do have just from being in different breaks and buying some different products, I have some decent Jordan Love stuff. So I'll hold for now. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, like I know we had one of our winners is, or I had one of my winners is the entire 2020 sealed wax. I mean, if, if you're looking at we've basically everybody that we talked about was from the 2020 class this this during this episode. So, uh, if you're a believer in the things that these teams have done to surround their quarterbacks and and even something speculative like Jordan Love, 2021 or 2020 sealed wax is uh, something to keep your eye on. Prices haven't moved a ton. Obviously, you're not going to see a whole lot of sales, but if you got the if you got the bankroll or if you want to get involved in box breaks, I mean, you got a lot of chances at some hits out of these boxes with with so many guys trending in the right direction. Looking so, ahead, we've we've great point. And yeah. just real quick, just want to say, like, if you think, oh, these boxes are so expensive now, they can't go up more, just do yourself a favor. Google some 2017. Oh, my gosh. Pressure, some 2017 select, some 2017 prism hobby boxes and see what those things are going for just for one hobby box. Because just be, just for the chance of hitting that Patrick Mahomes, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Per- perfect transition, too, because if you look back at some of the prism hobby boxes, and I, I did the liberty of looking at prices dating back to 2016 with the, just, the, just the base standard Panini prism hobby box. 2016, which was basically the DAX class, uh, DAC class, excuse me, it was, I mean, you can find those boxes for about $700. That 2017 class that you're talking about, which was pretty much Mahomes, and now to obviously a much lesser degree, Deshaun Watson, uh, you're going to spend $9,000 or more to get one of those boxes of Panini Prism Hobby. So looking ahead, where do you think this 2021 class shakes out? This 2021 class is as loaded as the previous class. I put a poll on Twitter. Do you, would you rather buy, if you could invest in just one, the 2020 class or the 2021 class? Pretty even poll results. Well, we've got Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones even found himself in a good landing spot with the Patriots, Trey Lance, Justin Fields with the Bears. Even some of these guys like Davis Mills and Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond, they're going to have shots at playing time, I think, early in their career. Where where did you land overall in this class? And uh, what are you expecting box prices to come out to? Yeah, so it's a pretty interesting class, and I'll hit both of those points. I mean, it could definitely reach last year's hype pretty quickly. You know, if even if two or three of these guys produce pretty early on, we're going to see that. The other thing that you just briefly hit on is actually the the biggest, the most hyped quarterback ended up by far in the worst market for him. And this is something we haven't really gotten into quite a lot. But this definitely is a thing where market, you know, actual physical location impacts prices as well. And if you look at all those other guys, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Lance Fields are all in great situations for uh, as far as just overall popularity of team and market. So Zach Wilson has a chance, in my opinion, to be if he can if he can reach his potential. I mean, if you if you're the guy that brings the Jets back and you're in New York, that that guy's cards are going to be insane. Oh, my gosh. Limitless. Yeah. Insane. If mm-hmm. Mac Jones is what the Patriots think he can be. New England successor to the ultimate successor to Tom Brady, and he could breathe it to some success. He'll have a big market. Lance, San Francisco, California, Shanahan is going to put up big numbers. Flashy player, easily have a big market. And same thing, same thing with Zach Wilson and the Jets. If Justin Fields is the guy that can actually finally be a decent quarterback for the Chicago Bears, I mean, we're talking all these guys have just crazy upside. And then Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. So we've seen the small market thing become less and less important in basketball. I think we'll get there in football, maybe if. Like he could be that guy. I think we could see it. So, you know, and he's just a marketable dude and is, you know, as everyone says, the best prospect to come out since luck. So, I mean, as a whole, if you're gambling on this class, 
you, you have to feel pretty, pretty solid about it. And then, as you said, there's other guys like Mills who might be thrust into something way sooner than we think. So, you know, there's flyers, there's upside, there's flash, there's good market. I think this, you know, you're going to see these boxes come out out of the gate in a couple, I bet you at a couple thousand dollars for a prison box just to start, just like we saw for basketball. So, you know, the upside's there. Yeah, they're going to be hot. And, and to your point on on Lawrence, my God, this this dude, he's already doing the tops NFT yeah, thing. I saw that they released some NFT stuff. So he's and he's he's in the crypto world. This guy is just all over the place. I think he's going to be very marketable. So as long as he lives up to the hype on the field, I'm not too worried about the market. One and then, like you said, some of these guys like like Wilson is the one prospect that I'm most worried about from like a, just a pure on field standpoint. Yeah. I think some of the tape is fake and, you know, he, he obviously played in a, a, with BYU in a system where, you know, he's not playing a ton, playing against a ton of tough competition, but yeah, you're right. If he brings New York, if he brings the jets back, my goodness, the world won't stop talking about this kid. So I think all of these prospects to some degree landed in a point or landed at a spot where uh, it's best for them. Even Mac Jones, who we had questions about lands with the Patriots, who can hopefully groom that guy, you know, that maybe there's some Belichick magic left. He can groom that guy. But just like the 2020 class, you're talking about four or five quarterbacks deep that could, you know, potentially be in the top 10, 15 quarterbacks in the entire league yeah. uh, in a couple of years. So I'm a, I'm a little bit of a believer in Zach Wilson. I mean, I think that the physical skill set is there. And as far as like you see with what what's going on with, with Josh Allen, and I think that's becoming more and more important in yeah. NFL than necessarily production on the field. And obviously his production in college, that is in college. And obviously his production matched it this past season too. He might be 12 though, which is something to consider. For, for yeah, can, can we get a birth certificate on Zach Wilson? He is, I don't know, man. I was seeing pictures circulating on Twitter on draft day. He is a beautiful human being, though. I mean, we got to give the kid some credit. He's a good looking dude. I showed a picture to my fiance yesterday, and she said, <laughs> I'm like, look how young this Jets quarterback is. He's like, she's like, yeah, he's super young looking, but he's great looking. I'm like, oh. um, <laughs> and the other thing I want to touch on quickly with Trevor Lawrence is he not only did the tops NFT, he did like this top special edition set where you could buy a couple boxes and you like have a one in five chance of hitting an autograph. And it was yeah. obviously tops doesn't have NFL licensing, but it was like these like nice photo shoot shots. And he has a beautiful signature. And it, I'm not, I know it sounds like unimportant. Yeah, no, it's, it matters for cards. It really does matter. And he's, he's got like a gorgeous, just really nice uh, sig. So that's going to help him too. Yeah, I think he's going to be he's going to be super involved in this space. I don't know if he'll get, you know, super deep into the weeds on collectibles and all that stuff, but he's going to be a marketable guy. He's going to be out in the world with crypto and all those things, NFTs and 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 whatnot. So you're going to see his face quite a bit. Not that you wouldn't already with a one on one, you know, in the best prospects since luck, but he's going to be out there and he's going to be, you know, his card prices are going to are going to skyrocket when those boxes are released. Yep. Anybody from the skill position world, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, any of these guys that you're looking at uh, as boxes are released? Are you going to kind of wait to see if we get that Justin Jefferson effect from one of these guys? Well, two things. I'm actually just really curious to see if the Jefferson effect just kind of trickles right down to this class. So, uh, but there, I do think it's really important that you're looking at the guys that can really put on the the numbers, the on-field numbers. So like, I would be a little bit more hesitant of like a Jalen Waddle or Kadarius Tony, these, the, the smaller guys that might be kind of more used in gadget plays. They might not put mm-hmm. up the big numbers right out the gate. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, if we're trying to compare to those guys, he's just in a special situation with Mahomes. Yeah. He would be great on any team, but would he be putting up those crazy, crazy numbers on any team? Probably not. So, you know, those kind of guys might not have the same hobby value as someone like Jamar Chase or a big outside receiver uh, that could put up the crazy 100 catch, 1400 yard, 10 touchdown receiving season out of the gate would have. But I'm curious to see what it does. Running backs historically don't have nearly as long, uh, big of a market just because people know their careers are shorter um, and they're less flashy. But, you know, as I said, the, you're seeing it a little bit more and more with skill position guys.
Yeah, and this running back class was pretty gross to begin with. You got, I mean, yeah, basically three guys, and then after that, you're, you, it's, it's pretty rough. But Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, just like, like you said, be mindful of the time horizon that you're investing in. Then, yeah, I don't think you're investing in these guys for their Hall of Fame career. You're more or less, uh, if they come out of the gate hot, you might, you know, might make a few bucks on a flip. Yeah, uh, which is a good point. When so this year was a little bit different with with the 2020 release because of COVID and everything that that resulted from that. This product wasn't released. The 2020 Prism, kind of the, the flagship product, wasn't released until December 4th of 2020. When I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of release dates except for uh, the draft picks cards. What are you expecting from releases for Panini this for this football product? I think they're trying to get the normal release schedule back on track. So everything was really pushed from last year. So we're actually still seeing 2020 rookie cards. Yeah. Out. I've been mentioning national treasures that came out about three weeks ago. Now the next really high end releases, which is usually the last of the year is coming out this week. I believe I have it written down. Uh, yeah. Flawless is coming out on Wednesday, Panini flawless. So it's basically a step up from national treasures in price point of boxes. The rookie patch autograph cards don't necessarily have the same uh, long-term value, but there are cards in there. Everything's on card, number to 25 or less, super, super, super high-end stuff. So that's going to be like $5,000 a box out of the gate, and that's the last release of 2020. So once they get that out of the way, you're going to start to see the 2021 stuff trickle out, and that, as you said, starts with the draft picks cards. So draft picks cards are the players in their college uniforms. If you want to get that, I recommend two things. One, do it with your children. It's a great way to get them mm -hmm. involved. Um but with everything being so expensive today, it still is a little pricey. So I would say if you are looking to make a quick flip, you get those cards and you sell them before any product in their professional jersey comes out. That's the move with the draft pick cards. You don't want to hold them long term. They do not sustain value once the uh, pro uniform stuff comes out. This is kind of what Levitan was referring to on the first episode. He got yeah. screwed by buying the Jalen Hurts cards in his, in his college uniform, and they will not hold value. So just be careful of that. We don't have release dates past those June releases, but I would guess that they're going to try to get back on a regular schedule, which would be October, usually for regular Prism. And then you'll see the normal releases trickle out between October and around, you know, March or so. So good, good points on the, on the draft pick stuff. You'll see those pop up. If you're searching, like if you just do a Panini Prism PSA 10 search on, you'll see those, you'll see those draft picks cards pop up all the time. So if you search out on eBay, be, be mindful of that. And if you're buying now, just be mindful of the product that you're buying. Good points. If you want to buy with your kids because it's cheaper, great. And if you want to, you know, flip it before the rest of the products come out, good point. But uh, if you're looking to get exposure to this class, both in the near term and long term, what's give the people some tips, recommendations? What should they be looking for? Um, what do we got coming up, and what which what type of products are you most interested in? Yeah. So for me, it's still the classic. You know, there's there's really four main in both in both football and basketball now that are the basically the prism and the prism cousins. So we've talked about prism a lot and on top of prism, there's mosaic, which was basically a spinoff of prism. That actually is going to be the first one to come out of these big four. And this was last year was the first year that they had it for football and it's done really, really well. They are great looking cards. Uh, they are, they kind of look a little bit like prism. They're, they have different colors and refractors, same things. And they, you know, the refractors will say prism on the back. So that's prism. That's mosaic. That's a great one. That's going to be the first one of these that come out probably, you know, shortly after we get some pictures of these guys in their pro uniforms, we'll see, you know, so even just in, in photo shoots and stuff like that, it'll be before they hit the field in all likelihood. Uh, then there's regular prism. We've spoken at nauseam about Donruss optic, which is a little bit bigger in basketball, but is starting to pick up uh, in football as well. Those, and then uh, Panini Select as well, which just came out about a month and a half ago and is huge, huge sustaining value. Hold on. I'll flex one more time. 
All right. Oh boy, what do we got? What do we got? Justin Herbert, select green out of five. Oh, beautiful. Okay, this is the club level card. Um, this is this is a big boy. I need to get this guy in for PSA immediately. Like this, we're talking if this grades out, we're talking five figures plus. So, um, select is beautiful. They come in in different colors as well, and there's different variations. So that's the club level. They have something called a field level, just has a little bit of a different design. So that comes out after at the end of all four of those. But those are the four that you get. They're chrome based. Grade them. And they're like kind of their flagship rookie cards. I showed you the Burrow card before. That mm-hmm. is going to be what you're looking for as far as autographs are concerned, just strictly autographs. And then the same stuff we've been talking about for the high-end patch autographs. It's still National Treasures, Immaculate, Flawless comes out this week. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about it next week. I'll take a look at it. And yeah, it's the same kind of stuff. The the, the same flagship stuff for, for basketball really uh, stays for football. All right, guys. You came for the draft talk. You came for the starter pack. You stayed for Gary's sick five-figure flexes. Just absurd. <laughs> Multiple flexes on stream, on, on recording. Check it out on YouTube if you haven't. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you guys are finding us at. I will forever be terrible at shilling our own podcast. So if you're listening to me, please subscribe, rate, review if you enjoyed it. We really appreciate it. It helps us out here. Uh, we've got a fun episode coming up next week. We plan on recording again Monday night, hopefully getting these out to you Tuesday morning. We're going we're gonna to talk NBA playoffs. We've teased a lot of NBA. It's, it's probably my favorite sport to follow and my favorite sport to collect. And uh, we got the playoffs coming up, don't we, Gary? Me too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mine as well. I can't wait. So if we do this next week, we'll be about a couple of days out from the very end of the season and then the, the play-in uh, tournament, which is going to be a lot of fun, which will actually, I think, have a ton of hobby value. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right. He's Gary. I'm Cody. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Peace. Guys.